Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 2, Episode 16, A Grim Day Indeed, The Halifax Explosion of 1917. On the morning of December 6, 1917, two ships collided in the bustling Halifax Harbour. The harbour was full of civilian merchant vessels and Royal Canadian naval vessels. The city itself was bustling with 50,000 inhabitants. One of the ships that collided was a munitions ship carrying ammunition for the war in Europe. When it exploded, it caused one of the largest man-made explosions in the history of humanity. 1,600 men, women, and children died, 9,000 were wounded, 12,000 buildings were destroyed or damaged. The destruction covered 325 acres of Halifax and Dartmouth. This is the story. Before we continue, a reminder of the platforms you can find us on. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on SoundCloud just by searching Cool Canadian History. You can find us on iTunes, of course, if you go under the podcast tab and you search Cool Canadian History. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter, at DocBoris. That's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. And you can always find us at our home, www.coolcanadianhistory.com. And if you go to our website, at the bottom of the page, courtesy of PayPal, is a donations tab. Now I assure you, every donation goes directly to the podcast, and every donation is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this bi-weekly history podcast. So let's go back in time. The British founded the city of Halifax in 1749 in an effort to expand their control of what was once Acadia and provide a secure military base to continue their fight against the French for control of North America. Halifax grew not only as a center of military and naval activity, but also as a thriving commercial nexus, supported by the constant presence, of course, of the British garrison and Royal Navy ships. In 1841, when Halifax was officially incorporated as a city, it counted 15,000 souls within its city limits, including the small community of Africville, a free black community living on the outskirts of the city. By 1917, Halifax had 50,000 people living within its limits, while another 6,500 lived and worked across the harbour in Dartmouth. There was no question by this time that Halifax had become the most important urban centre in the Maritimes. In 1917, Canada was, of course, at war. 
Canada had entered the war automatically when Britain declared war on Germany in August of 1914. Now, by December of 1917, Canada had suffered tens of thousands of casualties and had already fought at numerous engagements, including the Somme, Vimy Ridge, and Passchendaele. Now, Halifax itself had an obviously important strategic position in the context of the First World War. It was a well-defended harbor where merchant vessels could load up with supplies to take to Europe. Both Canadian and British naval vessels could also be fairly secure in its harbor, sort of a natural defensive position. The harbor itself was extremely well fortified. Soldiers and artillery positions were everywhere around the city and on the approaches into the harbor itself. There was, of course, always fear of German U-boat attacks. German U-boats are submarines. And two large anti-submarine nets were stretched across the harbor at night. Now, if you were in Halifax in December of 1917 at night, you would not see a single light shining, for a blackout was strictly enforced, both in Halifax and Dartmouth. Regardless of the blackout, Halifax was bustling around the clock, Trains would bring supplies in. Ships would take supplies out to sea, escorted by naval vessels, while more ships would be arriving with all sorts of material and men returning from war. The thing to understand here is that ships did not just go out on their own time. They didn't just load up and take off on their own. To protect against the U-boats, a convoy system was in place. This meant that all the merchant ships would be loaded up with their supplies and stay waiting in the harbor, Once all the ships for that particular convoy were ready, and this could be as many as 50 merchant ships, they would be escorted out to sea by the British or Canadian Navy, who would protect the convoy from U-boat attacks all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. This meant that the Halifax Harbor was constantly packed full of ships, all trying to either get in, load up, or get out. The two ships in question, the ones that we're going to talk about today, were the Mont Blanc, and the Emo. The Mont Blanc was a French general cargo and munitions ship. The Emo was a Belgian relief vessel, meaning it was actually neutral and carrying relief supplies. In fact, on its side it had painted Belgian relief to deter German submarines from attacking it. But it's the Mont Blanc that we are most concerned about because the Mont Blanc was filled to the brim with explosives. 2,366 tons of picric acid, it's a highly flammable substance used in antiseptic, which is actually more explosive than TNT. She was also carrying 250 tons of TNT. The ship was carrying 62 tons of gun cotton. 246 tons of petroleum were strapped to the deck in barrels. It even had two deck guns, with all the supporting ammunition needed, much of that on deck as well. Now, regulations around all this explosives were quite tight on board. The crew could not smoke, the crew could not carry matches, obviously, or even have liquor on board. The explosives below deck were all separated by thick wooden partitions, and on deck, everything was strapped down, but of course, much of it was exposed. Now, because the Mont Blanc was so loaded up, it was unable to sail with the faster convoys coming out of New York. Hence, it was sent to Halifax to sail with the generally slower convoys coming out of its harbor. The Mont Blanc left New York to head to Halifax on the 1st of December. On December 3rd, the Emo arrived at Halifax from Rotterdam. 
it had an empty hold as it was destined for New York to load up on relief supplies. It was basically stopping in Halifax temporarily. On December 4th, the Mont Blanc spotted the Nova Scotian shore after an uneventful voyage from New York. She began her final leg into Halifax Harbor. On the morning of the 5th of December, the Emo was given permission to leave the Halifax Harbor. The sailing was delayed, though, because the coal that powered the ship had not yet arrived. It thus had to wait until the coal was put on board before it could leave. By the time the ship was fully stored with coal, the submarine nets had gone up, and the Emo was stuck for the night. The Mont Blanc arrived after the submarine nets had been put up, and thus had to anchor at McNabb's Island, sort of outside of the protective barrier of the nets, to await morning before it could sail into the harbor. Thus, the morning of the 6th December saw the Emo sailing out of the harbor behind schedule due to delays in getting coal, and the Mont Blanc sailing into Halifax because it had arrived after the nets had been put up. Now, once in the Narrows, the most complicated part of the harbor channel, the Emo was forced to navigate around a smaller steamer and a larger tug. Remember, it's very busy. There's lots of traffic. This navigation, this sort of avoiding these other ships, forced the Emo into a position where it almost was going to ground itself on the Narrows. To avoid grounding itself, the captain swung the vessel around and essentially threw her into the path of the Mont Blanc. With the Emo going much faster than the Mont Blanc, both ships could not turn in time, and they collided. The actual collision itself did not do too much damage, but it was the chemicals on board the Mont Blanc that would trigger the massive explosion. You see, the petroleum on the deck, so in these barrels, tipped over when the ship was hit and spilled all over the deck. Sparks from the Emo and Mont Blanc colliding lit this petroleum spill on fire. Very quickly, the deck of the Mont Blanc became a raging inferno, spewing black smoke into the air. While it was on fire, the Mont Blanc began drifting towards the Halifax shore. The crew of the Mont Blanc abandoned ship. At the same time, civilians began to wander down to the harbor and the shoreline to take a look at this burning vessel. When the French crew arrived on shore, they told people to run as it was a munitions vessel, basically telling everyone there's explosives on board. Most of the onlookers could not speak French, and they didn't understand. Soon the vessel grounded to a halt at the base of what was Richmond Street. Sounds of explosions could be heard in its hall. Flames and billowing smoke were filling up the sky. Fire alarms were ringing out as Halifax fire crews bravely set out to put out the blaze. Then all went silent for a brief, terrible second. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At 9.04 in the morning of 6 December 1917, the Mont Blanc completely exploded. The force of the explosion was equivalent to 2,989 tons of TNT going off. The shockwaves traveled at more than 1,500 meters per second. 
At the center of the blast, the heat produced was in excess of 5,000 Kelvin. It was the largest man-made detonation in the history of humanity and would only be eclipsed by the dropping of the atomic bomb in 1945. Around the vessel, the water was vaporized. A tidal wave was pushed up into Halifax for three city blocks. The north end of Halifax was virtually flattened by the explosion. The ship was literally blown into pieces. One of the gun barrels from Mont Blanc landed three and a half miles away. A piece of the anchor, weighing about 1,100 pounds, was found partially buried two miles away. Red-hot pieces of metal ripped through Halifax, killing and wounding thousands of people. The Emo was hit with this massive blast as it attempted to sail out of the harbor. Its smokestack was destroyed, its captain and four others were killed, the vessel itself was lifted by a tsunami and thrown against the Dartmouth shore. For the city of Halifax, the impact of the explosion was heart-wrenching. 1,600 people were killed outright. The damage to the city was immense. Halifax and its harbor looked like a battlefield that only someone on the Western Front would recognize. In the immediate aftermath, most people believed the explosion to be the result of German sabotage. In fact, the helmsman for the Emu was arrested for being a German spy, though he was actually Norwegian. Almost every German or suspected German sympathizer in the Halifax area was arrested in the immediate aftermath of the explosion. Though the paranoia over German sabotage subsided, it wasn't until the publication of the Reck Commission's report in February 1918 that the truth was finally revealed. The commission found that the fault lay with the Mont Blanc. Considering the cargo she was carrying, it was her responsibility to ensure she would not collide with any ships in the Halifax Harbor. The captain, Emile Medec, and other members of the commanding crew were charged with manslaughter. The charges, however, were later dropped when a Nova Scotia judge found no evidence to support the charges. No party was ever convicted for any crime or successfully prosecuted for any actions that led to the disaster. It was an accident. A terrible, terrible accident. In the ensuing years, the explosion itself became the measurement stick for all explosions up until the nuclear age. In fact, when the atomic bomb Little Boy was dropped on Hiroshima, Time magazine wrote that the explosive power was seven times that of the Halifax explosion. The aftermath was also a tale of a community coming together. Within a few years, much of the destroyed city had been rebuilt. The explosion had become a tragic yet unifying part of the city's legacy. The city continued to thrive, and the dead continued to be mourned. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on SoundCloud, and you can find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at Doc Boris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. I want to thank you for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Take care.